Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Smoking Joe and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture Hi everyone and welcome to another episode in season two of the House Culture podcast. I'm your host and managing editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. It feels great to be talking to you live and direct and we're hopefully helping you out with a little taste of clubland whilst we move through this lockdown period. The feedback on this second season of our podcast has been fantastic, thank you. So many of you have already listened to our chats with the legend that is Norman Cook, the Ibethan icon Dawn Hindle, the DJing colossus that is Tall Paul, purveyor of the happiest sounds in house music Sophie Lloyd, and you've also heard Melon Bomber Scott Gray's explosive story of how he gave it all up to move to Ibiza. And if you haven't done already, don't be afraid to get yourself some dusty digital fingers by going through our back catalogue of episodes from season one. In there, you'll find conversations with folk like Danny Clockwork, Terry Farley, Fatfield Cooper, John Trencher, and many more. Also, if you've only just discovered this podcast and are wondering what house culture is all about, our credo is we are a collective of house music fans who have come together through our mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. We're on Instagram at housecultureNet, so come join us on the virtual dance floor there and we can come together to revel in all things related to this beautiful scene. Okay, let's get moving on this, the sixth episode in this second series. In this one, we talk to a DJ who has been on the scene since the early days and shockingly still remains to this day the only female to top DJ Magazine's Top 100 DJs poll. It's of course, Smoking Joe. You'll hear what initially galvanised her to become a DJ in the first place. I was going out every single night, every rave, every illegal warehouse, every party in a field, just I was there. There's a whole crew of us going out. And probably a few months in, I was kind of like, why are there no female DJs? They kind of really pissed me off. 
what her Ibiza debut was like. So he said, just come to Ibiza. I hadn't really heard much about it. And he said, I'm, I'm working at Space. I can get you a gig. I'm like, oh, cool. And they did this awful flyer. It's like, you know, Smoking Joe at Space. And I'd never been anywhere like it. Her ideal set length. A good five hours is probably nice because then you're really getting, you're really DJing then. Because anyone can kind of rock up and just sort of like do it's two hours. You know pretty much what you work, but you've got to do anything more than that. Then you've got to really think about things. And the impact this scene has had on her life. I wouldn't be the person I am, love. It's, it's been an absolute joy, you know. I, I wouldn't. I don't know where I'd be without house music because I, I was quite depressed as a kid. And to go out and be able to hear that music and go to these raves and, and just have these experiences was just unbelievable. Before we get started, as has been the case with the last few episodes, this chat was recorded in late 2019. Before anyone had heard of coronavirus, so some of the dates mentioned here might not be happening. So please check online if you hear of anything you like the sound of. Now the disclaimer's out of the way, let's crack on with the interview. I hope you enjoy it. This is Smoking Joe. House Culture. Hi Joe. Hey yeah. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us into your home for the House Culture podcast. My pleasure. It's really appreciated. Oh. We uh, love seeing behind the scenes in a room surrounded by vinyl, I see, which is great. Um so you've been on the house music scene since the early days and remain to this very day the only female to top the DJ Mag Top 100 DJs of the Year poll, which you did in 1992. Yep. But before we come on to that, we want to rewind to kind of the beginning and try and understand where did you first find your passion for dance music? Well, I was a bit of a raver. I mean, I was partying from about 13 years old. Because I used to be quite naughty. I used to sneak out at night. My mum was at work. She was a night nurse. So I'd go into Soho because I lived in Port Bella Road. So I'd literally get the bus into Soho, go to the WAG club, go to all the gay clubs, Heaven, uh, Busby's. And there was this energy in the clubs that I just connected to. It's like, you know, you're kind of at school and you have this kind of boring life. And suddenly you go to a club and you're like, oh my God, I just love this. And so I kept partying, partying, partying. And it was mostly like rare groove and that kind of thing. And then one night I'd, I'd gone out and suddenly at the end of the night they started playing this other music. And I was like, what is this? I'm, I was so just excited by it. And the whole mood of the club changed. Everyone was dancing and screaming. And, and then I just thought, what, I love this music. What is it? Yeah. And then je- je- slowly little clubs were popping up that were playing house music. They were calling it house music. And I'm I was going out every single night, every rave, every illegal warehouse, every party in a field. Just I was there. There's a whole yeah. crew of us going out. And probably a few months in, I was kind of like, why are there no female DJs? That kind of really pissed me off. And I was a little yeah. bit right on. I was kind of whatever I was, 20. And, you know, I was at college and I was kind of like, right, I'm not happy about this. I'm going to be a DJ. And it was almost just as a joke. Yeah. And I just and then literally I, that was it. I was addicted. I just went and bought loads of records and yeah. decks and practiced my heart out. <laughs> so, so those early days when you were buying vinyl, um, what what record shops were you going to? And what was the, I suppose, walking into these, what would have been, you know, very masculine environments yeah. at the time? Did you find you have to get your elbows out to get to the counter? And I mean, I'm quite bullshit anyway. Luckily, I'm tall. I think I had still had quite short hair then as well. Yeah. And I was working in Soho. So I'd go every single day pretty much to Black Market when I was working. When yeah. Ashley Beadle used to work there. And I think I knew him before there, that point. So I had an inroad. I was like, right, Ashley, sort me out. And, you know, 
who just put a whole pile by and I had my little section I could just play my tune so I didn't yeah. feel too intimidated and I didn't give a toss to be honest I wanted to play and I wanted to hear music and I don't care so I think that helped and I just was a passionate about it so yeah I, I was a big collector of, of music I must say it got very expensive <laughs> <laughs> so what was the um, kind of gateway style and, and music that you were trying to dig for at that time I just loved more of the soulful deep garage like the real kind of New York sound just all those producers you know masters at work Todd Terry that kind of thing and just Jack in house I guess that you know anything American I wasn't interested in anything in you because I think it was too early for that UK stuff so it was just just obsessed with American house music really and um, started mixing that and then I kind of moved into this whole Italian house that kind of came about and that was a bit more happy and I kind of like that so it's kind of you know I've always been someone that likes across the board I love the heaviest techno to the coolest R&B not R&B but you know soulful stuff so mixing it up yeah (laughs) (laughs) and in terms of getting your vinyl together and kind of practicing did gigs kind of come very quickly or how did that yeah I mean I literally practiced six months solid every day probably four hours and then more in the evening whatever I was on the decks all the time because you know it takes a long time to learn how to mix vinyl you know it's not an overnight thing nowadays obviously you've got your cd players you can sync and all that it takes a lot of skill and time and I think Ashley actually showed me a few tricks and I had a friend who was a hip-hop dj so he showed me some of the hip-hop stuff which was great because that's real skill and that helped me to, to kind of get into the whole beat matching and flipping from track to track and phasing which you know with two records and playing the same record so I was just I loved it um I was working in a shop in Soho uh Junior Gautier <laughs> and opposite the shop they had another shop yeah. which is more of a rave shop and they used to have decks in there in the weekends so I used to sneak out of work and just play on their decks and then people started to be like oh there's this girl she's you know she plays a bit of music blah blah and then I started making some mixed tapes playing them in the shop selling them in the shop and then I got a few gigs just from that to be honest and then the biggest opportunity was when the one of the DJs from trade which had just opened yeah two weeks before got really ill and my manager at the shop was best friends with that DJ so it was Martin Confusion and he said oh do you know what just stand in for my friend Martin and I was like oh my god you know I think I've been playing six seven months okay cool so I rocked up trade. It was three in the morning. The doors had just opened and I did my first set. Yeah. And they absolutely loved it. There's me. I think I had a shaved head at the time. And I know. Is he boy? Is it girl? Whatever. She's great. And I kind of stole his job. Really. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't get any more gigs than I was the resident after that. Yeah. 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 So I started playing at trade. And um I mean, that place, we, we have done an interview for this podcast series yeah. with Tall Paul. Yeah. And yeah, he talks about kind of that turn mills and that trade, yeah. the launch of that. And it being one of those first after hours clubs in London. Yeah. It was one of the only things going on at that it time. It was indeed, yeah. Because yeah. I think they'd sort of calmed down on some of those illegal parties. It was getting a little bit hectic. So it was going to the clubs. So trade was a place every single person would rock up to. So three in the morning, everything else shut. You get everyone from all walks of life coming in. Loads of promoters were coming after their gigs. So people, promoters were hearing me, other, you know, clubbers were hearing me. So I got a lot of um, exposure yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah. And uh, gigs just came very quickly. An yeah. agent came in probably after about f- 
eight months I got an agent and yeah, it really, really happened quickly. So I was lucky. Yeah, I was right place, right time. Yeah, kind yeah. of. And again, because I was playing across the board, I was able to play at the kind of hardcore rave things like, um, well, was it, it was called Rave or Rage. Yeah. And then do the fashion stuff like push girl, like more gay mix and yeah. then do the hardcore gay like trades. And I yeah. got to do everything, which is a lot of people don't. They get kind of put into a niche. Yeah, yeah. And so what were those early parties at trade like were they <laughs> as crazy as people they made were up? it's really hard to to explain but i guess it's like, like when people talk about studio 54 or something yeah. or manumission it's that thing where it's just right place right time everybody was on really lovely drugs to be honest like really good ease and they just loved the music they were there for the music to get laid possibly as well but mainly for the music and the energy and the love and the passion and the kind of family atmosphere because yeah. everyone was going every week so people start to know each other and know, know each other so it was a culmination of all these different aspects and the DJs the other DJs at trade were amazing you know you had Malcolm Duffy like yeah. proper hard sort of uh, jack in house Daz sound you know techno Trevor Rockliffe techno then tour at the end tour pool yeah. at the end you know yeah. so all the DJs were just really really good at the stuff and I think that's what made this such a special place yeah and it kind of opened like you said at around about was it 3am I think it was 3 yeah and then go on till sometimes 9 sometimes 1 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> yeah yeah it's incredible going from there like you're saying you get lots of exposure playing at different places playing all kinds of different styles yeah um, at that point was there anything that kind of stood out for you this is kind of my niche or were you just like, okay, I'm happy to... I was just in a bubble. I didn't even realise I was a DJ as such. I was like, well, I'm just playing records. I'm loving this. This is great. Okay, I'm getting a gig. Yeah, I'll do it. And I wasn't getting much money really. And and then suddenly I was travelling and having to go up north and some nights I'd do four gigs, maybe even five. I'd start right at the top of the country, like in Hull or Grimsby. Yeah. And have a driver just take me down to Leeds and then go down to Birmingham and go down to, you know... I work my way down and end up at trade, you know, hanging by a very thin thread. (laughs) So, and then I got the DJ of the Year award, which obviously that, you know, the exposure I got from that, then I got some foreign gigs and then I got taken to Ibiza and, you know, it it, it just all seemed to slot into place and I didn't even realise what was going on to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, before we kind of come on to those bits, um, like the, the DJ awards specifically, I mean, that, award i think there'd only been one previous there's only way it's yeah. a second year running yeah and i remember it was a really close call they told me between judge jules carl cox and me yeah. and i think they kind of pushed for me because it was like well geez who's this woman she's come from nowhere and i remember yeah. going up to get my award and i could hear someone in the back going who's that because <laughs> <laughs> i was so new you yeah know? <laughs> yeah and like do you still think that obviously you're the still the only female yeah. to have won that award yeah. I mean that's kind of shocking it is shocking way. it's just a very different animal now isn't it it's yeah. a lot to do with who's got the best managers and PRs and the votes and I mean I don't recognize half the people now it's not about being a best DJ it's who's got the best promotions isn't it yeah it's a shame yeah. but you know women never really get their dues and there was this big article about women in house music how they kind of been written out of it yeah because we don't get the same exposure or the same you know press or the kind of thing you know yeah i mean it's a, it's a shame um yeah i mean at least you're still kind of in the scene flying that flag yeah and doing really well which is great to see um and so on the back of winning that award like you said it got you this exposure around the world yeah um tell us about 
the Space Terrace and Ibiza, your experiences mm. there. How did that first come about? And start? Well, I just went. I knew one of my friends at trade is a Spanish guy. He, yeah. he, I don't think he was from Ibiza, but he used to work there every summer. So he said, just come to Ibiza. I hadn't really heard much about it. And he said, I'm, I'm working at Space. I can get you a gig. I'm like, oh, cool. And they did this awful flyer. I've got it somewhere really like hand drawn and it's like you know smoking joe at, at space and i'd never been anywhere like it it was absolutely yeah. fantastic so had you been to ibiza before no it was my point? first time yeah. so i rocked up dj'd at space i think and dj'd at Paso and dj'd, DJ'd at coup all on the first trip uh because i knew people but he yeah. took me everywhere and it was just nice to see a bit like trey gay straight bohemian all different colors every everyone together and really happy no attitude wear what you want and the idea that you could get up in the morning or actually stay out and go out in the morning at eight in the morning and and be in this outdoor club and the sun shining and it was very openly you know drug taking and it was like okay i like this (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i fell in love with ibiza straight away it's got an energy to it a lot of people speak about that and i'm very kind of in touch with my spiritual side so i was kind of like I want to live here, like even you know after the first week. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just started going back every year. Yeah. And ended up living there after uh, two thousand. I think I moved there. Oh no way! Yeah. Whereabouts did you live? I was living in San Jose and in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you find that? I loved was it. Was it as special as you? Yes, thought it, it would was. Be? Every yeah. day I woke up and I was like, I love living here. It was it always felt special. It was kind of like it got to the point like when you get to live there, you you, you hate the summer almost. You want the winter. Because you kind of like, everyone can just go away. This is my island kind of thing. But yeah. no, it was amazing. Uh, it was a blur, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, very special place. Yeah, yeah. And what are your overriding memories of playing in the big clubs during that period? Um, was it always space was the place? Or? Uh, no, because the thing was, I think those days space was open every morning and it wasn't somewhere like different promoters were play- had parties it was just space yeah. you'd go there every morning didn't matter who was on and that was the place to go then suddenly the English promoters came over and they started doing their nights so that's when well Manu Mission obviously started which I was resident at as well which was unbelievable it was just yeah. crazy loony stuff again and then the other promoters that came in so you know I, I don't generally like doing really, really big clubs, but yeah. space definitely was, was something special because this was energy. And Mandy Mission, I was in a slightly smaller room and it's the kind of uh, eclectic characters and the freeness and the openness. Just, uh, that's what I love. Yeah, mm. yeah. And we spoke to Dawn Hindle, obviously, behind yeah. Mandy Mission as well. And she was saying about when they first set it up and, well, even when it was running they didn't kind of publicize the djs that were playing it wasn't event. about the djs no. it really wasn't no yeah. i mean i was saying to look i'm getting a fortune to play around the world i'm traveling i used to have to do all my weekend gigs and then just about scrape in to get to my new mission for five in the morning or whatever and i wasn't getting much money again because they were like well you know everyone wants to play here kind of thing so yeah. and it was it was so special yeah. So um, it was about the show and about the dances and about people, you know. Yeah, it's like a circus. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in terms of uh, the space terrace, we spoke to Brandon Block and he called it the infamous space terrace. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is it as, you know, before they put the roof on and now obviously. Before they put the roof on, the decks were behind the bar and the decks were <laughs> facing the wall. So you had your back facing the crowd. You keep looking over your shoulder. It was just a very, very strange, but. It, and the decks were awful and this mixer was this awful mix I mean you know it was just cheap as chips <laughs> but fun yeah 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 have you been to uh, obviously you played the closing party 
yeah. uh, when it when it closed. How yeah. how was that? Oh, was that you know what? It was putting amazing. A cap on that whole era. Yeah, it was it was great. I, I was really worried that it was going to be awful. I just yeah. thought, well, how are they going to kind of pull this off? And it wasn't. It was great, and everyone had like forty-five minute sets because they wanted to shove everyone on. Yeah. You had a little clock there, and you had. To, I think Brandon and Alex were after me, and <laughs> and it was like counting down. I'm like, all right, calm down, guys. Give me one more track. But it was yeah, it was really good fun. So I mean, in terms of play, like we talked about Ibiza and that part of the world. Yeah. What other parts of the world? have you played in and you've really enjoyed or have been a bit strange? Or, <laughs> Travelling's um... always strange. I mean, the thing about when you play different countries, is like you realise that we are all the same and everyone yeah. just likes to dance and get off the nuts. But <laughs> there is a different energy. Like going to, I didn't, I don't enjoy going to Eastern Europe. I think just because it's, it's a very, when it was back then, a different yeah. energy and being a person of colour. I would still stick out like a sore thumb and it yeah. was quite hard for me to be in those environments. But again, people still like to party, but it was a much harder edged uh, attitude. Whereas you go somewhere like Brazil, everyone's free and they're happy and it's crazy and it's lovely. Yeah. And somewhere like Tokyo, which I absolutely adore, they're just so passionate, but in a geeky way. <laughs> so it's like they have every outfit, every hat and it's that's their look and they want, you know, and it's... Um, it's fun traveling, and yeah. I, I yeah, so I love Tokyo. Um, I love playing in Italy a lot because they're just bonkers as well. Uh, and South America's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I haven't really done America much. It's not somewhere I, I've kind. Of, it's funny because I love the music, but I've never really had that crazy, crazy. A few times with Danny Nagler, I played for him at his club in vinyl. Yeah, and that was great. Yeah, but the rest of it, I haven't really done much I don't know if I answered your question <laughs> <laughs> I mean or we could talk about um you mentioned Danny Tanaglia yeah what's it like playing for him in his club it's it's amazing because Danny's a funny guy you know he 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 kind of came to Ibiza and he hadn't really done any kind of raving as such like Ibiza raving so we kind of took him under our wing and we kind of got him completely hammered and then he's like I get it I get it oh my god I get it and so he's like you got to come and play with me in New York and so I was really nervous actually because it's kind of like yeah, this is a different thing altogether. But yeah. it was amazing. But it was at a time when um, there was a big thing in New York where there was no booze allowed in the oh, club yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, "Where's the vodka?" And they were like, "You can have a cup of tea." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it was very bizarre. But the people were loving it and they were just dancing and having a great time. Just a juice bar. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I mean, in terms of traveling as well, do you still move around the world a lot playing gigs? Is that something that you're really passionate about? Or I love traveling, but it burnt me out. And if you speak to mm. anybody who's done what what I did, you know, just hammering it around the world, it's so draining and it's mm. so tiring. Yes, it's amazing. You know, that sort of thing they say is you get paid, the amount of money you get paid is for the travel, it's not for the gig, because yeah. it's nothing, it's like the best thing. So I kind of slowed things down and as you get older, uh, you just can't do it as much. So I kind of pick and choose a bit more and I'm more in London based kind of stuff or cl- close by, not long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I went to uh, Tokyo for one night once. Well, I wasn't even there for a night. I arrived, DJed and left. What? You arrived in Tokyo? Yeah. And it uh, really wasn't <laughs> healthy. <laughs> Uh, so like uh, you know a 36 hour round trip almost it was awful I can't remember what it was it just didn't feel like oh yeah wow so it's it's a it's a weird one it's a it's a privilege to be able to have done 
what I've done and travelled and paid for it. Because you do, you get to see everything from the locals' point of view because they always give you someone local to, to look after you. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, yeah, no, you can certainly burn yourself out, though. Definitely. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard because I did, I did all my travelling on my own. I stupidly didn't have a tour manager or whatever. Whereas a lot of people have like have a whole crew of people and I didn't. I just did it on my own. Yeah. It didn't really occur to me to sort of employ someone <laughs> kind of like what they're going to do but yeah. it's just the company you do need it you know yeah someone who speaks your language because quite often you get taken for dinner and then you're like the prize kind of whatever object and everyone wants to talk to you and everyone's got broken english or no english and you're just sitting there and it's like what am i doing here yeah it's kind of, it's like that almost behind the scenes look of the dj yeah. scene it's almost any other job when you break it down to its pure elements it's essentially you're traveling a long distance to work nights yeah. and kind of it's a lonely it can be a lonely experience so a lot of the things we found with interview DJs yeah. you do get that kind of vibe it's it it. the same with bands rock stars you know you're yeah. in a big high when you're on that stage and you're playing you've had the best gig of your life and then you come off and you go back to your room and it's quiet and there's no one there and you're on your own and yeah. you, you haven't really got anything to share it with you can't bring your partner half the time because they're probably working um, yeah it's a funny one and I think it's slightly easier for male DJs because generally what women will be happy to drop stuff and maybe not work and they travel with their boyfriends whereas a guy's not going to do that for their girlfriends yeah. like, oh, i got a job you know i need to go work and it's like yeah. and also they start feeling like their second fiddle you know you're in a club and you're getting attention and people want to talk to you and they kind of feel like oh i don't i don't like this it's yeah. been very difficult and i suppose if you speak to any other female dj they might sort of say that as yeah. well yeah yeah <laughs> relationship <laughs> Well, it's a strain, isn't it? It's, it'd, be, it'd be really tough to kind of maintain, you know, because yeah. your evenings are, are kind of yeah. taken over, I suppose. Yeah. And you're surrounded by men. Mm. You get picked up usually at the airport by a guy, you get driven by guys, the club's full of men. And um, I didn't realise until I'd gone on tour with other guys that they're getting hookers and, and or, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to mention it. You know, I don't know who's done it, but that's what's on offer for them. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a whole different ball game. It's like that's the rock and roll thing. Whereas your women are kind of like, oh, hi, have a drink and see you later. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of like you don't get it. Not that I want hookers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know what I mean? the hookers. <laughs> hookers I did get offered hookers once. Uh, strip. <laughs> offered the two best lap dancers in Latvia. And Amazing. I, I did very politely decline. <laughs> Male or female? Female. <laughs> no way. Uh, oh, well, thanks, but no. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, I mean, um, kind of about your career, in, um, you mentioned uh, you're working in Gaultier. Yeah. And you've had kind of... Um, very lean towards kind of the fashion industry. I'm thinking of you. You've produced music for London Fashion Week. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do the shows. Uh, Alexander McQueen, Julian McDonald, um, and you've played a, a lot of parties where um, when you've cho- flown over to somewhere with to play for Daniel Craig. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, what's that, that was kind a good of gig. Side <laughs> that side of um, I don't want to call it like celebrity side but that side of those parties how does that differ from the kind of gigs full of punters and things these parties that are yeah I mean it's a a different thing and I think that's where being versatile comes in handy because you can't just rock up to one of these celebrity parties or something and just bang out a normal set you'd play in a club you know people here might not have even had house music in their lives so you've got to have a varied selection and just approach it in a slightly different way and look good you can't just be in a t-shirt and jeans and stuff like that (laughs) Yeah, the Daniel Craig one was amazing just because it, um, I got taken to the set and everything of Casino Royale and stayed yeah. in the hotel that was in the film and staying next to him. And he's a lovely, absolutely lovely man. And yeah. he just wanted to have a fab party for the rap of the film, you know. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> any requests from James Bond? Or? No, I didn't have any. Just let me get on with it. <laughs> What's the place in Mayfair? Um, uh, sexy, sexy Fish. fish yeah. yeah, I don't do that anymore, but... It's typical of London when things open, they're all like the rage, and every yeah. single person like rocks in the door. Johnny Depp and Harrison Ford. It was great when it started, um, and that, yeah. that was nice. But that was me being in London and just doing the kind of more relaxed thing. But it's not really what I'm more passionate about being in in a club that's dark and sweaty. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that the difference between you know you're playing clubs, you're playing festivals, you've done kind yeah. of uh, everything in between. Um, what what's your preference? Um, is it a small, dark, sweaty, yeah, intimate small, space? dark club that's intimate, where it's it's much more nerve wracking. I think when you're looking up and there's only probably 300 people there because it's very intense. Yeah, I mean Glastonbury's amazing, but I do the smaller, you know, Block Nine, and yeah. that's that's just so much fun as well. But the bigger things I've done, like huge 30,000, you know, thousand people, you're like. It's kind of, yeah, it's an odd one. <laughs> yeah, well, it just kind of gets lost because there's lost. so many. You, you can't connect. Although the thing is to look at one or two people and that's your connection. But yeah. it feels a bit like, ooh, what's going on here? Yeah, so yeah. It's, what, um, and what's your kind of, prefer? like a small intimate dark space, great. Yeah. What are the best places that you've played that you've really enjoyed? 
uh, well, the cross was amazing when that was around. Oh, yeah. yeah, everyone talks about the cross, yeah, don't I used they? I love that place. Um, Panorama Bar is amazing. And you've mentioned playing at Block Nine in Glastonbury and yeah. those kind of. Obviously, they're huge, and yeah, the, the crowds are massive. Um, what do you think? There's what kind of energy do you feed off from there? If you're trying to find that connection, like say you're kind of focusing on a couple of people in the crowd. Yeah, and... I think so. You've got to kind of, I mean, my style isn't really big room music. Mm. It's not like, it's, it's more of a, you know, it's, it's kind of medium sized music. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't got those massive EDM whatever bangers. But um, yeah, it's just finding what works. Keep, keep, you have to keep looking at the crowd. Are they dancing to do that? What, what vibe are they feeling more? And just kind of carry on with the flow of what they seem to like. Because I'm not a fan of people who just, DJs have their head down and it's all yeah. about what they want to play. It's kind of what do the crowd want and, you know, a bit of what you want, a bit of what they want and just trying to keep everyone happy. But, yeah, yeah, I probably overthink it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you still find it nerve-wracking? What, what's the mo- what's most nerve-wracking to you now? What type of gig do you think? Well, I had one recently. I yeah. never get nervous, hardly ever, because I just love it and I just want to, you know, enjoy it. But I was, Todd Terry asked me to play for him in Aid. Yeah. So I turned up and it's Harry. Sorry, who was it first? It was Junior Sanchez on. Todd Terry standing there. DJ Sneaks just about to kind of wait to come on, and they're all the crowd and ramp. So my whole set, they were just like behind me, and I'm, that was like nerve wracking because it's yeah. your peers and it's people yeah. that you've respected, and you just kind of feel like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the kind of the the your peers there you mentioned obviously they're all guys and it's yeah. this very masculine environment yeah do you feel like it's kind of changed a, a bit do you think there's more female voices coming through or do you think there are more female there's lots more aren't there but i don't they're still not getting the proper you know but not not respect but i think what is the exposure or yeah. the, they're probably not getting the fees the same you know it's not it's the same as just general society, isn't it? It's, it just mirrors that, you know, we've still got to struggle and fight to get to the top. And I wonder if I had been a different, you know, gender or colour, yeah. what, what my career would have been like. What What do you think has been the hardest thing for you as a DJ within the scene, do you think? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> hardest thing? I mean, is it we've kind of covered, you know, like personal relationships, like those kind of things? Yeah, I or think is, it, is, is, it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it was, is, is that the hardest thing is generally that the travel thing, going on your own, being very isolated, because most of the places I would travel would be on a weekly basis would be Europe. Yeah. And when you step out of London, it's not <laughs> so diverse. And then you really feel like on my own, I've had loads of racism on the road, just going through security, getting checked all the time, having really bad attitudes and just this horrible things happen. And yeah. that, that has probably been the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, relationships is hard to maintain as well. Yeah. I mean, and do you feel that you've always been, if you look back to where you first started and where you are now, do you feel um, positive that you stay true to what you've always enjoyed or do you feel like you've had to change your style here and there in places or well, I think I've pretty much stayed true because I said I was all I've been I've always been into everything and yeah. I might have at one point I think I probably went more to one style because that was what was in fashion and then now I'll draw back to something else because that seems to be more the way but I, I kind of always stick stuck to what I do I don't like to play two hour sets of one style of music it always starts somewhere and ends somewhere else so yeah. for me yeah I mean I just like really good music <laughs> <laughs> and what's your 
What's your ideal set length then? You mentioned two hours there. Is that the perfect set for a DJ, do you think? Uh, two is good, but I think probably you need you do need a bit long. If you want to do the proper journey, hmm. then a good five hours is probably nice because then you're really getting you're really DJing then because anyone yeah. can kind of rock up and just sort of like do it's two hours you know pretty much what you work but you've got to do anything more than that then you've got to really think about things yeah. but if I was going to do five I want to be able to go from you know wherever disco right over across to whatever yeah to techno <laughs> <laughs> and how when was the last time you had the opportunity to play a five hour set well I do them nearly every month to be honest but okay. I, do, I do them in like um, Soho House kind of group or, yeah. or the Ned but I, that's generally mostly disco and eclectic stuff yeah. I can't really play across the board, but that's nice because I don't generally get to play that kind of stuff. So it's a nice change for me to sort of just bring it down a notch and just dig a bit deeper into my collection. Yeah, mm. and you mentioned disco, and there's yeah. a whole kind of scene now around kind of reviving like the edits thing. Yeah, um, how what are your feelings on that? Do you do you enjoy being able to give these tracks, give them to a new audience? I or? do. I love it. You know what? Because a lot of film people don't realise these are old tracks, and a lot yeah. of the um house music originally was a lot of that's disco yeah, isn't it yeah. disco loops and hip-hop mm-hmm. so it's just yeah reviving it again it's great i love it and uh you know now working with sort of defected and glitter box and stuff it's it's fantastic to have that happy up music again because it kind of did go a little bit moody didn't yeah. it for a bit a yeah. bit serious we need a bit more fun you've got a yeah dress all in black and just play techno it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. bring that uplifting yeah. back mm. um and yeah, so in terms of where the scene is now, do you think it's in a, a strong place? Like you kind of mentioned there, it did go a bit moody at one point. Mm. Do you think it's on a back on a back on an upwards trajectory and more towards um, a happier place? I think place? so. I mean, from what I hear, EDM <laughs> is kind of on the wane, mm. and people in America are ma- now mad about house music again. And it's funny because they forget that that's where it came from, yeah, and they're like, yeah. "What is this? It's, oh, it's ha- okay." <laughs> so that's really nice. And then you've got. I guess the scenes are sort of just staying strong on their own different genres and I think Glitterbox are really pushing that disco uplifting house and happy and I think that's been really healthy for the scene and then you've still got people like you know DC 10s doing their thing so I think yeah. it's in a good place it's always going to evolve and change a bit and I think there's something for everyone isn't there it's it's good yeah <laughs> so what are you happiest kind of playing is it disco is it original disco well original disco is really stuff. hard to mix yeah, isn't it the, you can't the live element it. yeah <laughs> I, I, um no i like all the joey negro kind of new you know yeah, edits. Yeah, yeah. i love all that because yeah. it's so luscious and it, it brings such a good feeling to the to the crowd i love that so yeah i'm happy playing anything with a good bass line and that kind of nice up, uplifting and a good sort of hardcore stomping jack in house track <laughs> yeah, like that older stuff. Like now, it's being revived as well. There's some of the production, like the lushness mm, of oh it. Oh my yeah, god, well, they, they spent a bit of money on a bit of an orchestra. Haven't yeah, they? yeah. That's, that's what I would love to do. Yeah, <laughs> got a live musician. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've played all over the world, and um, like obviously London. We're in London now. We're in your yeah. home. You've lived in Ibiza. Yeah. Is this home now? Yeah, it is, I think. I love yeah. London. I mean, I absolutely love living in Ibiza and I do think, oh God, why did I come back? There's kind of lots of different reasons and I have, a, you know, my heart is in Ibiza as well and who knows? <laughs> With Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, really. um, yeah, London's cool, isn't it? It's, it, it, it's, I was speaking to someone about it the other day. It's a shame because when we were growing up, I mean, I've been DJing 30 years next year and I'm 53 oh, next year. And we had hip hop, we had house, we had these 
and punk. Yeah. And you have all these things happening and they just don't have that now, these young kids. And they not you know, didn't have the, the sort of, I don't know, whatever it is, the originality or the, the, the kind of get up and go to do these things. And I, I feel like, I, I love that about London that there was that option. I just hope that this new generation can kind of find their way and yeah. create something new. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's strange. It's like, like their culture is almost pop culture yeah it's yeah. kind of mainstream that's yeah. what it wants to be they kind of want to fit in rather than oh actually let's go and do something else it's like no let's just be what everyone else is yeah <laughs> everything's so on demand like yeah. if you want to research disco for instance you know way back when you're buying vinyl you had to like dig deep read read the sleeve notes yeah. all of these things whereas yeah. now you just go on go to online. it's so yeah, easy bang, it? instant so expertise easy. yeah but that's that's kind of good in a sense like to have that for your fingertips yeah but in terms of taking that deep dive yeah yeah and what are your feelings on kind of we've kind of touched on it like clubland in general at the moment in terms of like the next generation of people that are kind of coming through and and clubbing do you think they've got like something like Glitterbox? yeah i've been to it's great however there are younger people there who love it yeah. and are come kind of surprised about the vibe and the lushness yeah, of the music yeah, yeah. i find it's, it's actually i think it depends where you go in ibiza it's mostly young it's 90 percent mm. younger kids and the festivals are broad it's, it's mostly young so it's like it's a smattering but it's, it's nice to see young kids getting into that music because i think they they didn't feel maybe they had a choice and i think the drugs was ketamine or whatever it made mm. everyone just sort of slow and that heavy and now they can all get up and have a good old dance again and i think it's fun when you're young you want to enjoy yeah <laughs> yeah i think like having that next generation coming through i was at um clockwork orange at fabric and it's the uh, it's the first time i've been somewhere where i was walking in you know down the staircase yeah. and there was a young girl chasing someone down the stairs going mum mum i was like i don't think i've ever heard that in a club before well, this is it i mean I, I i've been teaching um people to dj and i get loads of um children of old ravers that yeah they're like oh i know what my son wants to do it and so and then the kid will come and uh, play and all his music is like old school music oh no way and he's like oh, i just love it i love it so That's it's brilliant really, it's really lovely yeah yeah and when you're teaching someone to DJ, how, where do you start? Do you start on vinyl or no? What do no, you do? I, I, a couple of people want to do vinyl, and after a couple of weeks, they're like, "I don't like it. I can't do it because they want the immediate thing." And yeah. I say, "Well, you've got to put the work in." So it's always on CDs now, and um, I yeah. just try and teach them. It's about the music because the thing is with these new players, there's so many tricks and loops and stuff you can do, and I'm just trying to just forget all of that for now. Just think yeah. about the music, the groove, yeah. and the mixing. Yeah, and all the rest of it is just tinsel on the top you know but um yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting like i've got two young kids and just got my vinyl deck still and like just they're seven and five so yeah. when they're kind of scratching i'm like just the blue needle don't get anywhere near that and then it starts bouncing across i'm like let's stop <laughs> give them a, a crap record to, to yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's like we hate this we hate this birdie song one time um and i mean kind of outside of music and djing um you obviously mentioned you're very much into your well-being spirituality um and you're a qualified yoga teacher yeah yeah Yeah. i qualified four years ago now okay yeah yeah five years ago i can't remember anyway (laughs) and is that something that's going to overtake djing no 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 you know i i I wanted to do something else because you know nothing lasts forever and i think i did go through a stage of, of thinking oh maybe i can't dj anymore i just mm. don't know if i can do the late nights and i you know i don't drink as much and i don't take drugs anymore and it's kind of like 
oh, is this going to be for me sort of thing? So I thought, well, I'll try and do something else because you never know. But I love DJing. I'm never going to stop. I don't you know, I don't see that happening. But it's nice to be able to do something else. And it's healthy and it's it gives me the same um, buzz. And yeah. I do a yoga class and create play- playlists and, and do a lovely session and everyone's smiling. It's the same energy. I absolutely love it. And you don't get paid much to teach yoga to <laughs> <laughs> rubbish but um it's a it's a good thing yeah um, i do my sessions in like defected in croatia i took my sessions there and i'm doing it again this, next year oh, no so it's nice to be able to mix the two together yeah you know mm. and do you find that it's the people that are kind of finding this stuff um are people that have kind of gone through that house music experience and yeah. are looking to kind of look after themselves I a bit think, more i think so you can't just keep punishing your body and you've got to have a balance and i think there's loads of uh the, the people my generation are kind of like oh actually yeah we kind of need to get a bit more healthy so are you surprised that it's that you've kind of become a yoga teacher is that come out of the blue or is it something <laughs> you've always um i am surprised a little yeah. bit but I, I was trained as a dancer when i was a kind of teenager and i've always moved and done something like that so okay. when i started doing yoga like 15 16 years ago it was something like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get this. It made sense to me because I was used to kind of stretching. So the teaching was is quite... A, I, it was a boyfriend of mine sort of pushed me into it. And I am quite shy, believe it or not. I don't really like speaking out in public. So the idea I was going to get up and teach was, was like, oh, I can't do it. But doing the course, it really changes you. And I was yeah. like, oh, actually, yeah. So it was like a bit therapy as well. <laughs> yeah, open up your own retreat in Ibiza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's loads of different things. I can do. <laughs> I can be bothered. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this series that we're recording now is going to come out twenty twenty. Uh, what have you got coming up? Well, I've defected Croatia. I'm doing that again, and I'm yeah. cu- I'm, I'm curating all of the wellness. So I've got a few oh of my um, lovely yogis, teachers, and meditation to come and work with me. So I'll be doing the whole six days. Yeah. In Croatia for them. And is that, what element of the festival does that take up? Is that like its own separate area? No, no, it's, it's, it, it will start at sort of one o'clock or 12 o'clock before, because the, the, um, the music doesn't start till two. Yeah. So a few hours before that, you get the meditation and yoga and it'll be right on the main, one of the main stages, right by the beach. Great. Yeah. It's lovely. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how many people get up and dust themselves off and come to do yoga. <laughs> That's a state of mind, isn't it? Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you're kind of excited about? You mentioned that you've got maybe some tracks on Defected. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, hopefully they'll get signed. I just need to get in. I'm working with a few singers. Um, Janice Robinson's one of them. She was on The X Factor and she did that track Dreamer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. lovely. So yeah. we're going to try and do some more stuff with her. And I've got friends who are really amazing singers and just try and get more of a... You know, I don't know what you call it. Just a nice group of people. Yeah. A nice kind of like uplifting vocal tracks, really. Yeah. Just instrumentals. I mean, you have produced quite a few tracks over the years. I have. It's funny because I'm not, it's a studio, it's not my natural habitat. I love being in front of a crowd and, and DJing live. In a studio, I just find it quite boring. It's yeah. sitting there all day and I'm like, I just want it to be done. I've got zero patience. That's my problem. So I think I've not made enough tracks because yeah. I don't like going in there, but I'm going to try my best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it something that, um, yeah, like you say, you've got no patience yeah. for it. Do you find that you have to, do you go in there with an inspired idea or do you like just to tinker? How does your, your No, I do. Like? I, I always, because I've got, well, I haven't got a very big collection anymore. I've got lots upstairs as well. I, I go through my records, my old records, get ideas and then sample stuff. And then just, I do have quite a clear idea when I go in. So yeah. otherwise you're wasting 
too much time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've got some nice things ready to go, hopefully, next year. Cool, cool. And, um, you know, we us as kind of house culture and who we are and what we stand for, We, you know, we live for, like, the love of the beat. Um, and everyone we talk to, we always try and... We always talk to people who are obviously part of the fabric of the house music community. Yeah. Um, you know just the culture of the scene and you're very much a part of it what does it kind of mean to you personally um as a whole what what's it kind of brought you in your in your in your life are you glad that it's happened or oh is my it, god yeah is it just a I, big strain <laughs> no I, I don't i wouldn't be the person i am and i've it's, it's been an absolute joy you know mm. i i wouldn't i don't know where i'd be without house music because i i was quite depressed as a kid and to go out and be able to hear that music and go to these raves and, and just have these experiences was just unbelievable. And then to be able to DJ was another layer of just happiness. And so, and the people that you meet, you know, my, like my boyfriends I met in clubs, my best friends I met at trade, some of them, you know, still friends now. And it's, it's, it's been lovely. And then just your other, you know, colleagues, you know, DJs having that lovely kind of connection with other people that are like you and, you know, it's 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 lovely. It really is a special thing. Yeah. <laughs> and thoughts for the kind of future of the scene. Are you surprised that it's kind of, you know, people always liken like the 90s or whatever to like flower power, the hippie yeah, era of yeah. the 60s. Uh, however, like in the 60s, that kind of music had its time and mm. kind of like almost died out. Whereas yeah. house music, it's gone, no, it hasn't gone away. I know, it's great, isn't it? It's funny. I, I hope it, I'm sure it will carry on and it'll probably morph into something slightly different. But I think it's because it does bring so much joy and it is universal. Um, people just love to go and they have to release, don't they? So, yeah. yeah. So you're confident for the future of the scene in general? I think so, I think so. That's all good. I mean, that's a brilliant place to wrap it up. That's yeah. really, yeah, it's okay. absolutely perfect. Thank you. Cool. House Culture that was great wasn't it i want to thank joe for being a gracious host at her place and for taking the time out of her schedule to sit down with us at house culture i think it's fantastic that she's still spinning those soulful sounds behind the decks as well as training up the next generation of award-winning djs you can catch joe's latest sets on youtube but she's been heavily involved in the virtual glitter box parties that have been taking place recently be sure to check those out if you haven't already. As you might have noticed, we didn't get a chance to do Joe's choices for our perfect playlist on Spotify. So I've been in touch with her since then and she has added the following classics to our ever-growing list. Her catalyst, one of the first tracks that got her into the scene, is the incredible Frankie Knuckles produced The Night Writers, Let The Music Use You from 1987. It's a stone cold classic and I heard this on a system late last year and it still does the business. Her floor filler is the exotic disco mix of Salif Keiter's track Maiden, remixed by Martin Solvig. I challenge anyone not to run immediately to the dance floor when they hear this one come on. Her choice for a sunsetter is Morchiba's The Sea, the opener from their classic 1998 album Big Calm. For a tearjerker, Joe chose I Am The Black Gold Of The Sun by New York and Soul, featuring the vocals of house diva Jocelyn Brown. Yorick and Soul are of course otherwise known as Masters at Work, Kenny Dope Gonzalez and Lil Louis Vega, who produced this eponymous project in 1997 that leaned into a jazz fusion style, featured an all-star cast of names from the world of dance music, with appearances from Roy Ayers, 
Tito Puente, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Sal Soul Orchestra. This album also contains their classic cover of Lolita Holloway's Runaway, which Arma Van Helden remixed into one of the biggest anthems of the 90s. If you don't own this album, believe me, you should. To finish off the night with a final tune, Joe chose the mistress of Motown, Diana Ross and her Nile Rodgers produced disco smash Upside Down. That's certainly one you'd be singing all the way home. You can find all of these tunes and much, much more on our playlist on Spotify. All you need to do is search for House Culture Perfect Playlist. Now you'll find not only these choices from Smoking Joe, but from every guest we've had on both seasons of the podcast so far. There's all kinds of stuff in there covering every facet of house music culture. So give it a shuffle and turn it up loud. Once you're listening to that, please help support this podcast by loving, liking, tweeting, sharing and rating or reviewing us on Apple. Please, this last bit is really important. It actually does make a difference. So get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And if you say something nice enough, we could give you a mention on a future episode. Which leads me to say good day to Alan Jeffrey, who got in touch from Down Under in Australia to tell us how he loved listening to Scott Gray's story of how he jacked in the 9 to 5 and never looked back. Thanks, Alan. Hope you enjoy the other inspiring stories we've got coming up this season. And if you don't want to miss hearing any of those, hit up our Instagram feed at housecultureNet or follow the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. Not only will you be fully informed about the podcast, you'll also get connected with other house music lovers the world over. And finally, if you want to get in touch with me, Matt Rouse, you can do it directly on Instagram at DJMattRouse. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and see you next time. House Culture Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.